everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Not, Not Too Taboo. Taboo. I'm here with my lady love, Gretchen Christine Rossi. Uh, so excited about today's show, by the way. Yeah, I'm excited. I might be more excited than you. Why? Because I'm more sleep-deprived than you. Well, this is probably true. But you know what? This goes to show what a good man you are because you literally, like, you saved the day so many nights because I am the, I cannot, I've just decided I give up. Like I cannot wake up in the middle of the night. Like every time I, like last night, we got to tell last night's story. All right. I have to put this in perspective for everyone. Just start things off. We're excited today because we have, you know, Jenny Metter coming in today, who is uh, the big wig over at Jenny June Inc. Yep. Sleep expert. Yes. Going to be, been helping us with Skylar's sleep hygiene and a protocol to kind of get her to sleep. But let me explain to everyone out there how important this actually is because sleep deprivation is a killer. Okay? It is a killer. Just to put this in perspective, we're starting this protocol. We're trying to get Skylar to go to sleep. She's waking up in the middle of the night. I'm so tired that I get up. It's cold. <laughs> I'm looking for a robe. <laughs> I put something on. I'm like, wow, this one feels really soft. It's very comfy for me. I slide the eye mask up on my head. I walk into her room. Now that you guys have a picture of this, right? A yeah, fluffy a robe. A fluffy, warm robe. With a, this is with so a great. pink face mask with on your hair head. pushed up. But I couldn't figure out why my butt was cold. <laughs> it was like so weird. I go into the bathroom and flip the light on. I somehow squeeze myself into your bathrobe and I look like I stole a tank top from a cheerleader. <laughs> And I, you told me this morning it was the white robe and like it covered the whole front section, but it didn't cover Covered the, the back, back section. End. And this is what people don't understand. There's cameras in our house and it is like our family thing. She oh will use gosh. this at a Christmas oh, party I somewhere. Totally will. She I'm will get that footage. Yeah, I will. It's I bad. Will blackmail you. The, the family pranks each other constantly and like this will show up somewhere. Get, it'll be on a freaking birthday cake one year with my, like Manland hanging out Legit. and I'm in a pink mask and a Legit. white robe. I mean, it'll happen. That's so funny. Okay, so now let's talk about what happens next. So then, so, so then, okay. No, no, I need to tell my part of the story. Okay, you tell your, your okay, part. Okay, so Skylar wakes up last night at an odd time. Like, normally her pattern's like at 12 and 4 a.m., but she woke up last night at like one o'clock, and okay, yeah. which was a little bit odd. So, um, so she woke, wakes up, Slade gets up, goes in, and, and is helping her. And then, like, almost an hour and a half later, like 2 30, I like 2 15, I wake up and I hear her on the monitor, and she's like, like crying, like really bad, like really, really intensely crying. And I'm, I notice that Slade's not in the bed and I can't figure out what's going on. And I, and I call his name and I can't hear him. And I'm like, and she's like sitting up in the crib and all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? So me, you're seeing this on the monitor. Yeah. I'm seeing it on the monitor and I'm just so confused where you're at. Cause normally you would be up or, you know, I'd, I'd hear you wake up or whatever. And so I get up, I put my robe on and I'm at this point legit sleepwalking. Like I don't even know. I'm surprised I didn't fall down the stairs at this point. Okay. Because I am so out of it. And I'm so confused because I know that Slade had just woke up at like one o'clock with her. And so I was confused why it's like 2.15 and she's like really upset. So I go into the bedroom. Now, mind you, Ginny has taught us to like make the room black, 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 like no lights at all. Right. So I'm trying to like walk in the room. And as I'm walking in the room, I hear her screaming and I walk towards the crib and I don't see anything there. I just am walking towards the baby and I literally fully run into Slade, like fully. Like, she basically checked me into the glass I is what happened. Like check him on the side of the crib. I'm down on my knees with just an arm over the railing of the crib, trying to soothe her a little bit, but not really picking her up because we're trying to implement some of these things. Right. And Gretchen comes running in, reaches into the crib, doesn't know I'm there. I have no idea. There slams me into the side of the crib. The crap out of me, like almost where I like screamed. So Skylar's probably even more upset because I'm like, what the no hell are you doing? And he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I literally almost slapped him silly because I thought he was like a burglar in our house, like trying to take our baby. Like it was so bad. And I was like, what are you doing? And I was so confused because normally on the monitor, if he's there, like, you, can you know, see me. I can see him, but his hand was on the side where I couldn't see it on the monitor. So I had no idea it was there. I mean, it was just like such a catastrophe. This is where that said. saying, comes ships that collide in the night <laughs> literally on our house is like ships where one kicks the other's ass in the middle of the night like you literally took me out and p.s he's still in the furry robe with his little face mask on in the whole process of this so 
<laughs> I'm gender fluid, Gretchen. Uh -huh, here we go. All right. No, well, so that was our night last night. We've had a we've had a lot of <laughs> interesting nights, but I, you guys, I am the worst. I literally, like, I cannot. I struggle. Like, I do get up, but I don't get up as often as Slade because he's a type of person that can get up and go right back to sleep and have no problem. If I wake up. Like me going back to sleep is like torturous. And then the next day I can't get anything done. And especially if it's a work day for me, it's brutal. It's just brutal. <laughs> We're, I'm so excited to uh, welcome back to the show. I know. I'm so excited. Jennifer Metter. Oh, we did the official name. Oh, oh <laughs> thank you. Well, also because... known as Ginny Jim. Yes, well, that's but, that's your brand, right? Right, right. It's also my middle name. It's my children. okay. That's yeah, what Jennifer, it is. Jenny June. So I was going to ask oh, you Jen, what it was. Jen, Jenny June Metter. Yes. Jenny See, June. I remember. Well, have I not only have I met her, but she matters. <laughs> See, and I want to call you Jenny Matters because what you provide matters greatly to me. Yes, this Aww. is so true. Yeah. This is so true. Okay, you guys, we're so excited. So if you guys tuned in a couple of weeks ago, we had Jenny on and we just were starting to talk about well, now it's called sleep hygiene, I've learned. Uh, before, I thought it was called sleep training, which it can be called that. But I really appreciate the um, totality of what her program includes. And now I want to—I just want to preface this, you guys. When they first said that they were going to bring Jenny in, I thought to myself, oh, gosh, a sleep trainer, she's going to tell me, just let Sky, you know, cry it out, la, la. And I was one of these moms that was like, I'm not going to let my baby cry it out. So she's probably going to waste her breath, like telling me, like, just leave her in there, cry it out. And I'm like, I'll hear what she this has to so say. True. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to like, nothing that she tells me is going to like abide or, or is going to like adhere to my life. Right. Yeah. However, helicopter I will. Mom. Helicopter yeah, mom. Totally helicopter mom. <laughs> no, but if you, if you, if any moms or any parents out there are like me, it's interesting because once you kind of get a blueprint of what something is in your head, you you just think, okay, this is what it is, and I'm I'm not okay with this, or I am okay with this, and then you kind of just decide that, that what if you're going to do it or not. What I appreciate about Ginny, and I have to tell you guys, my whole philosophy about what I used to consider sleep training, now known as sleep hygiene, according to Ginny, um, I feel so much better about this. And if any of you are questioning this. You really need to check out Ginny June and what she can teach you, what you can learn, because you truly learn so much about implementing every aspect of a child's schedule and life to make their life better, which ultimately makes your life better. And it's not just about, okay, you go to bed at this time and then cry it out. It has nothing to do with that, you guys. So that's what we're going to dive into yeah. today. Amen, sister. A little bit deeper. <laughs> On the pulpit. And, and I just am really excited for you guys to get some of these awesome tips that Ginny has given us that has truly made a difference. No, no, it's been incredible. And I, I was I was the one lucky enough to do the initial intake call with you. Gretchen and I were dividing and conquering that day. She was working on another project. Uh, which, direct, director which, Gretchen was on another project. Which I will say, you guys, I want to caveat this for you guys. Um, this is such a testament to Slade and who he is as a father and as a partner because at the end of the day, um, you know, Slade and I are both working. We're a two-income household, which in California nowadays, this is what you have to be. Most most of the country, but especially California with how expensive it is here. Um, but I had another project and I was really sad because I'm a very hands-on mom. I really want to be involved and I was super bummed out that I was going to miss this call. However, this is a testament to Slade and the fact that Keep he, going, honey. Keep is, going. <laughs> he is such an involved father. He really, truly understands the needs of me and of Skylar and that you could articulate to Ginny everything that needed to be done in that call. And I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you for that. So listen to all those men out there. This is a kissy moment. No, but listen to, I want all those men to hear this out there, that it's really important that you're involved in these little things, that it's not always just up to the mom to do this. And I think also in some ways, I think it's important that you did understand this better because I think that it helps a man go, wow, there's so much more to this than just like, here's a bottle and pat you on the back sort of thing. For sure. And like, I'm actually active call to like the guys out there, dudes, like stand up yeah. and get more involved because you will benefit from this hugely. Happy wife, happy life. Amen. You know, the child is so much happier. You're happier. You're getting sleep. You can actually function the way you're supposed to. Everybody benefits from this. Right. So the work is worthwhile. And, you know, we're going to get into my call with, with Jenny right mm -hmm. now, but just 
for a couple seconds. What was my your my initial response after getting off the call? He literally called me. So I was working on another project. I was doing some editing stuff. So I was gone for like six hours. And he calls me and he literally, Jenny, literally, he was like this. That was the best call ever. Like, you have no idea. I have so much information to tell you. Like, there's all these things. Like, we talked for so long. Like, I learned so... Like, he was so excited about this phone call. He learned... I'm so still much. excited. And he and you know what's interesting about Slade? We call him Dr. Slade. He loves the science behind things. So the fact that you had right. science and that you had facts and you had statistics that um, really proved what you were saying was huge. And that's huge for him and I because, listen, people can talk all day long, but if there's not true science or true st- statistics to back what you're saying, it's like, okay, well, it, it can just be somebody else's opinion, you know? Wow, that's a the, huge compliment. This is Thank us you. throwing. This is us throwing to you now. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, I, you know, I will. Um, I will confirm that it was really such a uh, a breath of fresh air to work with um, a dad. Yeah. Uh, and who was presenting, you know, representing both him and yourself so articulately and so fully attuned to not just his concerns and questions and needs and, you know, things that he was curious about with regards to Sky, but he very much articulated what your, what your heart was behind all of this. And he knew you so well. I mean, it was amazing. I don't think I've really ever had such a, such an impressive consultation with a dad before. I've been beaten into submission. (laughs) (laughs) I want your secrets, Gretchen. I am am well-trained and the bitch in the relationship. Everyone knows it. (laughs) So it was, it was truly a delight for me. I mean, and again, he was very science minded. So we kind of geeked out there for a minute We did, and had like, um, yeah, complete sleep geek moment and it went into other areas of science and yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a very positive experience for me. And I learned just as much from Slate as well. It's a oh, very smart so person. And, yeah, he really is. No, yeah. Jenny, no, no, Jenny do I don't, put that out there. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Jenny, but his son was diagnosed with cancer, brain cancer at age five. Yes. And so he has been so actively involved in his son's care and, and with doctors and the hospitals and everything like that. So that's why the science of everything is so fascinating to him and why he truly loves to like dig deeper and get more knowledge about things because he truly feels like if he can understand, you know, that on such a deeper level, it helps him, you know, deal with the situation better. So Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And yeah. he'd mentioned that in our consultation okay. too. Um, okay. You know, we both had that in common, a, you know, child with cancer and, and boy, it does oh, you have too? you digging in deep to find out the why yeah. behind just, you know, instead of taking things at face value. Right. We'll spend um, some time in a teaching hospital Yeah. versus the care you get at a regular hospital. Yes. And when you were actively involved in those doctors, that team of doctors rounding and updating on what's happened throughout the middle of the night. Yeah. It's it's incredible to be surrounded by that much knowledge. Yeah, so. it is. So, yeah. Jenny, on a typical consultation mm-hmm. call, how long is that consultation called typically? 90 minutes. 90 minutes. And could you pinpoint, like, what are the main things that you go through on that call? Well, the first uh, half of that consultation is really unpacking the four pillars of sleep hygiene. Okay. Uh, really understanding, helping the parents understand the significance behind the environment for sleep. It needs to be cool, dark, and quiet, basically what nature gave us to sleep in in the first place. And the science behind each of those components, you know, the temperature of the room, for instance, a lot of parents tend to overheat their babies Mm -hmm. uh, because we touch their fingers and toes and think that it's an indication of their core body temperatures. It's not at all. This is an efficiency mode that the brain puts the body into when it knows it's not going to be using the outer extremities and the limbs during sleep. So when a a baby doesn't feel that. hands are cold in the middle of the night, that's not because they're actually cold. Not at all. Uh, they're, they're, their brain is focused on the core. And it's the same happens to you and me when we're sleeping as well. And yeah. if, um, if your partner were to touch your hand or you were to touch your baby's hand, it feels cold to your touch. Yeah. But we ourselves cannot feel that. Your baby cannot feel that her hands and feet are cold. That's so interesting because I will tell you that I can't tell you how many nights I've gone to sleep and I'm cold and I pull the covers up and I'm like, if I'm cold, she must be freezing because she can't have blankets. She can't have right. anything in the crib with her. Yeah. And so then I think to myself, I should turn on the heater because if I'm cold, she's cold. So yeah. that's really interesting. That that puts me a little bit at ease knowing yeah. that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean right. that Right, and her- you're learning it right here on Not Too Taboo, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> All my secrets. Um, you know, so 68 to 71 degrees Fahrenheit is, is an ideal temperature for a baby this age. Air on the side of cooler than warmer, though, because okay. the cooler the air is in the room, the more melatonin, that powerful sleep hormone, we produce. Uh, and for adults, ideally, we should be sleeping what they say is 65 degrees Fahrenheit. And we get more... We 
produce more of our own natural sleep hormone at that temperature. That makes a lot of sense to me because I got to tell you that there's nights that I'm cold and then it, but if I turn on the heat and it gets too hot, then I can't fall asleep. Right. And so then I find myself turning on the fan or opening the window or whatever. And then right when it gets cold enough and I get all cozy, then I fall asleep. So that makes a lot more sense to me why right. that happens. So it's better just to, you know, if we're looking at how to dress your baby or, you know, what kind of pajamas and things to put her in in that temperature, uh, just a full arm, full leg, breathable jersey layer, cotton pajama, ideally a lightweight, breathable cotton sleep sack over the top of that. And that will help her to better regulate her core body temperatures during sleep. Okay. Because when we do get overheated uh, in the middle of a sleep cycle or in between sleep cycles, uh, it fragments our sleep and can cause an, a, a, a wake up. Right, right. We don't want that to happen with Isn't a baby. It's fascinating. It's all fascinating. <laughs> so once you go through those four, okay, wait, did we go through the four? So that's the, okay, that's the first pillar, you know, and the pillar. details, you know, the, the temperature is just one component of the environment. The second pillar is the sleep cues. We literally want to recognize true sleep cues as opposed to overtired cues. And this is where there's some huge takeaway for your audience right. here. Right. I'm going to break that down Please right now do, for you. Because I'm going to tell you, this made a huge difference for us. Huge difference. Yeah. A lot of parents um, mistake sleep cues, uh, you know, that they're seeing from their child. We tend to think that when we're seeing our baby rub their eyes, arching or arching their back, squawking a bit, kind of vocal, loud, uh, irritable, cranky, a little mm -hmm. uncooperative. We think, oh, Lord, child, you're tired. Let's get you ready for bed. You know, those right. are your sleep cues. Those are actually the physiological signs when melatonin has left the building. And what you're seeing is them catching their second wind. Cortisol, a wakefulness hormone, enters the system. And it's accompanied by adrenaline, which is a stress hormone. Right. And now they're wired with, you know, hormones that don't promote sleep at all. In fact, very counterproductive. And, you know, they've, they're, they're just kind of showing all those cues. So basically the, you're screwed at that point, you guys. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You so know. if you see the rubbing of the eyes, the arching of the back and starting to squawk or it's do any of those late. things. It's too late, you guys. So this is why this is really right. important. So but what turn, she means turn by those too speakers late. up and listen to what she has right. to say right now. Because here's what we've realized, and you're so right on about this. What she means by too late is that when you see those cues, that is not the time to be starting your wind down or preparing for sleep because exactly. now you're talking about another 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. We have seen that when we start uh, Skylar's wind down at night, and we'll, we'll talk more about your tips and tricks because we, we're implementing them slowly because um, she hasn't been feeling well. Right. But it's so right on because as long as she's prepared for sleep, when the eye rub happens, mm -hmm. she's gone in five or 10 minutes. That's right. Because yeah. we've done everything else. She's had yeah. the bath. She's had the feeding. She's in her jammies. Like she's ready to go. So when we see the eye rub, that's our cue. We go, Time yeah. to put her down. Yeah. And sometimes that can be too late. What we really want to be looking for is what happens right before that, which right. is what I call the relaxed state cues. Right. And that's when you notice that Skylar's motions will be slower. She'll be less vocal. So mm -hmm. really still and really quiet, disinterested in her surroundings, you know, just kind of spacing out, staring off into space. And that's only about a 10 to 15 minute window. And then you see them catch that second wind and all the eye rubbing and stuff starts to happen. So, you know, because we have such a brief time frame to work within, because when you see those relaxed state cues, ideally we should be laying them down in their crib at that point because the brain and body is now flooded with those powerful hormones for sleep. And right. she, her brain and body want to do the sleeping at that point. Right. Even if you're laying her down awake and aware and you're not doing any of the work for her to get her relaxed or all the way to sleep. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. It's about making sure she's got enough of those powerful sleep hormones at sleep onset that will help her fall asleep easily, independently, and connect sleep cycles throughout the night independently as well. And, and that's get, why yeah. your, your specific times of doing things throughout the day is so imperative. Because see, yes. in my brain, I used to think, well, if we're going out to dinner and we're not done with dinner until seven, we, you know, sorry, that's just what it is. But the truth is, is that that's going to make our lives a living hell because <laughs> unfortunately, you know, Slade and I have realized that like, if we're going to have date night or dinner, we have to go to dinner at like 4 PM in order to get her home and get her started on the wind down and, you know, eating her food, doing her, whatever it is, taking the bath, all of that before she gets to that state that you were just talking about. Right. So as hard as that is, you guys, the new normal for Slate and I has been something totally different than we're used to. I mean, I'm a night owl, so I'm up all night. We typically didn't go to dinner until 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. So this has been a huge, huge change for us. And it's something that I didn't realize at the beginning of, of you know, having her, how imperative that was. I mean, we used to have her out till 9, 9.30 every night. And yeah, like not, not knowing any better. Not knowing but any better. It's also important to reiterate to everyone, reiterate that 
it's it, this is not a forever thing either. Right. This is a a temporary phase where you're committed to helping your baby with a sleep hygiene protocol, so she's learning to put herself to sleep mm-hmm. and not needing us to do all of these other things. So it is it's just a limited time. Right. And, you know, if we avoid teaching, you know, basic independent sleep skills for too long, then you've got uh, interesting clients that I sometimes have where the child is 16 years old and still sleeping in bed with mom and dad. That's insane. And they have to call in an international caregiver to co-sleep in another bed with their teenager. Shut up. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Yeah. Literally, there's still teenagers sleeping with and their parents? And it's not that, yeah, I see it all the time. It's really increasing now because parents are so terrified of teaching are their child something me? new that they might have a temporary struggle, you know, component of that at first, just like with any other gross motor development skill, that they avoid teaching their child anything at all. How can a parent think that their teenager sleeping in bed with them is normal or okay for well, the teenager? Well, this particular mom is a very high-profile family. Um, you guys would die if you knew who it was and I can't ever right, say right, I'm on right, lockdown for right. that. But um, this particular mom got remarried and never thought anything of it until right. then. She was, you know, you know, had the kid come in bed with her single mom, got remarried, oh. and it was the new husband that was like, uh, there's a 16-year-old girl in our bed, you know? like, you know, And right? that's when like, the whole thing. You yeah. know what's interesting about that, though? I actually have a lot of girlfriends that are single mm-hmm. that did the, the baby sleeping with them. And you know what's sad about it? is it was more from a selfish standpoint of wanting to have that partnership or that love or that like cuddling with somebody because they might not have that partner in their life. Mm -hmm. And as much as I have empathy for that and I'm, and I'm sad that they might not have that partner, I, I still wanted to shake some of my friends and go like, but you, but you're teaching them like, that's not, they're, <laughs> I yeah, don't even no. have the words for it. I was like, a single mom for a long time with my four children, and it was really tempting a lot of the times yeah. to just want to bring him in bed with me just for my own emotional, yes. um, you know, needs. Yes. And um, But I had to think about the bigger picture yeah. that my job was really to make sure that they never ended up, you know, a single mom yes. one day with four kids. And, yes. you know, and to That's if, such a good point, yeah. what you just said, that they never end up, like, because those are the things, like, when you have strange emotional, you know, disconnect or things that you're not really, you know, keen on because of the way that you were raised and ways to believe certain things, like that's going to be a detriment to their own emotional health later on too. Yeah. We always have to be kind of thinking beyond ourselves and, um, and that's, you know, the, the essence of motherhood and that's what, you know, that's where I, it's a hard job. I went from girl to woman real quick after I had kids because I had to think about somebody else besides my own, you know, feelings and thoughts and experiences and, and raise the bar. Right. you know, but and I think all moms try to do that. I think yeah. there's just times when, you know, it's overwhelming and and we just do the best we can to get by. And sometimes that means bringing your kid in the bed with you, you yeah. know, just so you can get through a night if it's well, a tough it's night. So but true. I mean, survival yeah. is, is the is survival the key word of sometimes <laughs> of parenting. It's just like you yeah. do whatever you can to survive. I saw a meme the other day on the internet that was like, um, it said something like, Oh, I used to be that mom that was like, Oh, I will never allow my child to ever watch anything on like an iPad or whatever. And right. then they're like, and then life happened. And you're like, here's the damn iPad child. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, and then you have to just survive or whatever it said. It was really cute. Right. So. Can you imagine being a international professional who sleeps with someone else's children to correct that problem? Yeah. It's really, you guys would be shocked. Um, if I was in college and knew about that, <laughs> yeah. I would have guaranteed that. you that I would have had that problem and it would have taken a supermodel to break me in my house. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my gosh, right? I think the guys yeah. in the room will contend that I am correct. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're such yeah. a turkey. Yeah. So I've seen it all. I've seen all kinds of, you know, I mean, when we go into survival mode and sleep is one of those things, sleep yes. deprivation puts us in really that does. mode. We lose all sense of everything. Yeah. I mean, yes. we just can't make sense of, yes. of what's going on and we just slap things, band aids on things in the moment really just to survive. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to those four pillars, the yeah, cues are really important yeah. um, to anticipate that brief window. That's where we usher in the third pillar, which is the pre-sleep routines, which have to be done very specifically as well mm-hmm. within a certain amount of time so that we're, the child isn't catching that second wind while we're in the middle you know, of our routine, or it's not dissipating, doing something that's counterproductive to melatonin production. Yeah. Right. So looking at you know the, the family's lifestyle and, and the age and development stage of the child and everything that's going on, you know, we want to have a really helpful 
uh, creative pre-sleep routine that does the job of both syncing sleep with natural biological rhythms and and you know kickstarting melatonin production and yeah, which is which is a, the big part about the environment. Yeah, because I, I literally watched it happen. So <laughs> we, we got into a little conflict because um, Skylar mm -hmm. has some very beautiful you know silk curtains in her room that are blackout curtains, but they don't lay flat against the wall. And so there's light leaks on both sides. So the yep. room never goes completely dark. And Gretchen and I are having a conversation about it. She's like, those are blackout curtains. We need nothing else. I'm like, <laughs> baby, there's light leaks. I'm just, I'm telling you that Jenny says <laughs> the environment should be dark like a cave. Uh -huh. Right. So I take Skylar with to Michael's. We buy black construction paper. Brilliant. And she mm -hmm. was in her little swing watching me put up these black squares on her windows. And this is no lie. She's watching me do it. And the second that I put the last square on and it blacked out the room, she went. Oh, and yeah. she turned Honked her head out. and she went right to sleep. I love and it. I and I will say, I was as I angry it. as I was because I'm the designer decorator of the home and the bedroom looks so pretty with these beautiful pink, you know, Monique Lelier, <laughs> you know, satin <laughs> curtains and whatever. And I have the beautiful tassels that pull them back and everything. And now you pull it back and it's just black construction paper on the window. Yeah. And, I'm like so and now upset. you look like a crack house from you the outside. Like legit we do. And so I was so like angry about it. Like but I, I look like I'm on crack when I don't sleep. So like what's <laughs> the difference? I will, yeah. But I will tell you, it is unbelievable the difference of just putting that that paper on there so that there is no light leaks like how much more soundly and how quicker she goes to sleep in that room it's yeah. unbelievable for naps and for bedtime it's crazy yeah. i cannot believe i i literally was like there's no way there's no way and it totally made a huge difference yeah i'm so glad to hear that that's really you know it's just science and yeah. when the more the darker the room is that we're that we're in um it just really helps to produce more of that important sleep hormone also you know throw throw an extra uh, you know measure of precaution in there and get a dark roll of electrical tape black electrical tape and tape off any indicator lights on your baby monitor yeah. or you know little little lights on in the room right in stage one of each sleep cycle we open up our eyes we are moving around we're mumbling talking babies are crying in that stage but they have no idea they're doing any of that and it can right. last for up to one to five minutes in each and every sleep cycle interesting and when that open eye gate catches the slightest streak of light coming from the edges of your blackout curtains right. or an indicator light on a baby monitor or the diaper wipe warmer or a night light on the room, mm -hmm. um, it's enough to arouse them all the way awake, fragmenting their sleep. Wow. Adults as well. Yeah. So it's a good takeaway for, for adults. Interesting. So I need some advice because mm -hmm. here's where we here's where we are with Skylar. We've we've slowly started to integrate some of these fantastic protocols. Because um, as I mentioned earlier, she wasn't feeling that well. And I know you yeah. suggested that if she is sick and having trouble sleeping, we want to wait until she's feeling better to start implementing all of this. It should happen at night. That's when you right. should start. That's when right? you should, you should start starting all these processes. But we are trying to slowly implement these things. So here's what happened last night. The uh, sleep preparation tips that you gave us are right on the money. As I mentioned, we kind of go through this routine ourselves. We're turning the lights down. She, she gets her bath. Gretchen has decorated the house with, with candles. So the nice. lights automatically come on at night. So it's always have this ambiance every evening. It's really cool. Um, I, I, she went down at about seven 30 last night and she slept till one, which was great. And which she, was a little odd because normally she's up at midnight. Usually so midnight, was... but she went till one. She truly does wake up because she, the diaper's wet. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a suggestion was was to just lather her up, you know, put a barrier cream between her. Lather her up like a like a cake. Frost, a, <laughs> like, frost, a, frost those buns a cake, like a birthday cake. <laughs> exactly, yeah. which I thought was <laughs> so smart, like right? Cake. So it keeps everything off of her skin. But in this particular instance, I mean, I think she would have overflowed. Like she really yeah. needed to be changed. Mm -hmm. The hard part is, is that she would not go back to sleep yeah. unless I was holding her. Yeah. So I changed the <laughs> diaper. You know, I soothed her a little bit with with the feeding, which I probably shouldn't be doing. Um, she falls asleep on my shoulder, and the minute I laid her down, she would not go to sleep. Woke but right this, back up. but this is this is was an odd scenario last night. We haven't had her do this to this degree. Right. There's been a couple nights where you pick her up and you change her, and then she kind of wants to do like a hug around your neck, and then she puts her head there, and then she'll go right back down in her crib. 
But last night she wouldn't like she was the not second I laid her down. She was back up crying yeah. and until I held her, she would not go to sleep. Which was right, odd because right. we haven't seen this yet. And she was really, really upset. And then that's when I woke up and I was like, why is she screaming? Like, like as if something was like wrong. Like she was really crying. Yeah. I hadn't heard her cry like that. And yeah. I was trying to implement this routine of obviously if you're not going to go to sleep and stay asleep. You have to learn to put yourself to sleep. So I put her back in the crib on her back and was trying to put a hand on her. She could mm -hmm. feel my hand or you know, mm -hmm. just so she knew I was there, right. which is why I was hiding before I got <laughs> body checked into the side of the crib by my wife. Right. Uh, <laughs> she clobbered the hell out of me. Um, but I wasn't sure really, you know, how to do that. I mean, I sat in, in her little rocking chair for a minute and let her kind of cry it out. And I could hear the difference between the Jen, – Jenny mentioned these terms to me. There's a difference between struggle and suffer. Right. right? So when she's struggling and she cries and then goes quiet again, right. like she's kind of figuring it out versus really suffering. But and, that's what I was feeling last night. Yeah. That's what you woke me suffering. up right. was the suffering cry. Right. And I was like, what is wrong with her? Like, that's not so, normal. So Probably is, my whimper, by the way, in the monitor. It was <laughs> yeah. more me suffering it than, was, the, it was than the child. That was doing yes. the crying. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so once we officially begin all this and we, we get tight on that sleep hygiene, once she's feeling better, we're going to get tighter on the timing of sleep because, you know, do you, you said something here that was, you know, that got my attention, you know, 7.30 for a baby this age is too, it's too late. Uh, it we're was gonna, late for us. Yeah. Normally she gets, starts at 5.30 or 6. Yeah. And by 6.30, usually she's down. Is that right? No, she's normally down about 7. Is she? Okay. Yeah. So we're really close. I mean, it, we're just off by a little bit, but what once we have, it's going to be different depending upon the quality of the afternoon nap. It should never be a real set bedtime. Well, that's right. It's three within a range. Three, yeah. Three yeah. If it's a hours, longer yeah. afternoon nap, well then- or if it's a shorter nap that she gives into sleep deprivation. So it's, so it's just making that. sure that there's not too much sleep pressure built up on the brain from the point she wakes up from the afternoon nap to the point she's down in her crib for bed. If there's too much, you'll see her catch that second wind. And that's why with the bedtime routine that I gave you guys, it's real brief. We've got to get through that pretty quickly so that we don't miss that window, yeah. you know, and we're over soothing. And now, you know, she's yeah. caught that second wind and you're jumping through hoops for an hour and a half right. just to do all the work for her. Right. Um, so timing is going to be where you guys probably get your biggest takeaway. It's not going to be too much off of what you're already doing. You guys are already doing so much that's right, which mm -hmm. was nice to hear. Um, but tightening up these little areas just a little bit is going to make all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. You're going to see her go down easier. Uh, less delayed sleep onset, and it's going to help her achieve the slow wave sleep within the third stage of her sleep cycles. That's the sweet stuff. That's the deep, delicious, yummy sleep crack that parents pay me to get for themselves, frankly. <laughs> right? <You're> right. Yes. <laughs> so we got to give it to your child first. And it's all about hormones. Sleep has nothing to do with the contents of the stomach at this age. It's all about the brain and hormones. And we want to make sure that there's an abundant amount of those sleep hormones at sleep onset. And that's what prevents the fragmented sleep at night. Now, there are some behavioral crutches that are kind of kicking in. And it's really normal at this stage of development as we segue from uh from the first stage of infancy into the second stage. You guys caught this at a beautiful time, perfect time to sleep train is around, you know, six months or so. I was so. ask you, what would you suggest to the viewers to start the sleep training or the sleep hygiene program? Well, there's two schools of thought. There's the four month, you know, the 16 weeks, because that's when we notice that, you know, the brain comes into full maturity with nighttime circadian rhythms. For the first time, they're able to experience the slow wave sleep. Prior to that, you know, babies aren't born with a circadian rhythm. They don't have the ability to produce melatonin on a time basis. It takes time and development on the brain. At 16 weeks, we start to see that they can get that deeper sleep. But beforehand, sleep is supposed to be light and sporadic and disorganized and crazy so that a baby can easily resuscitate themselves should their physical vitals fall below normal. Oh, we, need to we need to fight, feed them around why. the clock, yeah. establish secure attachment mm -hmm. so that there's a foundation of trust from which to teach later on. Got it. When we do have to implement health and safety boundaries around sleep or nutrition or whatever. Yeah. This is so good. Yeah, also <laughs> happening and not too taboo. <laughs> yes, Love this. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, when we when and then there's the school of thought that wait till six months. Mm -hmm. And the difference between those two um, is, you know, I think it's easier for parents to tell the difference between tears of temporary struggle versus tears of suffering. Mm 
um, when the child is closer to six months. Okay. We've established that milk supply, you know, breastfeeding behaviors, like you kind of get to know your child a little bit better and um, and you know that you can set them up for success. You can start at that point consolidating cal- uh, sleep at night and allowing for the natural consolidation of calories to start happening during the day. It makes parents a little nervous to start sleep training and, and go moving into that until there's the child's eating solid foods and we start to see that, you know, yeah. clearly they're an older baby now. They're well, not a baby, a newborn anymore. Because I got to tell you, it really, really is different from when she was five months to she just turned seven months yesterday. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, she, it really was a big difference between that five months to seven months, that month right there. I've seen a huge growth spurt on every level of her, mentally, physically, emotionally, like just the way that she responds to the things that we're doing now. I feel like she understands it better. I feel like she is more in tune about what we're trying to do with her. She definitely is responding so much better to a schedule. So uh, personally for me, I would suggest anybody out there that's struggling with it, like don't pressure yourself to have to be on this like regimented sleep schedule until around six months. That's right. For me, I feel like my baby really just didn't even feel like they were ready really to accept yeah. that or be yeah. okay with that. And even if they are showing from whatever science or tests or research, if the mom's not ready, yeah, then it's just going to go south. Yeah. I mean, most important thing for me is to help moms give themselves permission to wait until they feel ready, yeah. regardless of what they're seeing from their baby. Because if a mom's not ready, they're not going to be able to be a sure, steady, predictable place for their child. So they're going to bring anxiety into the situation, so and that's contagious. Yeah. But confidence is contagious too. Yeah. So we have to really wait for mom to feel ready. Right. And that's an important thing for me to discern when I'm you know, doing an intake with a family and, and deciding whether or not it's a good fit to work with them or not. Mom or dad, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Because, oh, you wait know, a second. Yeah. Wait a or second. dad. Absolutely. She's, she's on to something. But it could be mom or dad or for all of um, the couples out there that that are, you know, in the gay or lesbian community because, you know It's what true. I, mean? I work with a lot of, um, you know, same-sex couples and, yep. you know, it's not gender specific. Right. Um, there's two types of feminine nurturing responses. One yeah, is this a, was interesting. One is a feminine energy nurturing uh-huh. response. The other is a masculine energy nurturing response. Again, not gender specific at no, all. No, because I am the feminine. Gretchen is the masculine. <laughs> oh, geez. Here we go. <laughs> she is the ball buster. I am the caregiver. <laughs> oh, don't even but start, this- buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the difference and this is where we can tie in discerning the difference between tears of temporary struggle and tears of suffering is that feminine energy nurturing response is when you know we are we want to take the step forward do the work for our child take away any struggle yeah. uh, make them Disneyland happy all the time uh-huh. and uh, and then there's the masculine energy nurturing response which is the concept of setting your child up for success in every way possible and then instead of taking the step forward, and doing the work for your child or rescuing them from having to do something, we take the step back mm-hmm. so that the child can take the step forward. Right. And that masculine energy nurturing response is more appropriate now in the second stage of infancy where you have to put some health and safety boundaries around what they're eating for their meals, right. you know, or, you know, the time and space for sleep and, right. and making sure that naps are happening. Kids don't always want to do some of these things that we have to do to protect them and their health and safety. Um, and you're going to experience that big time when they're te- when she's a teen. Oh. Teenager oh, too, but Lord help um, me, please. But yeah, so it, you know the goal of good parenting, and this is the misconception and the big myth in our current parent culture. It's not about making your child Disneyland happy all the time. Yeah, it's about preparing them for adulthood. Right, and that's not always going to make them happy. No, but we we so fear tears and we so fear that they're not going to be happy with us or our boundaries or whatever that we we avoid teaching our children anything at all, and then before you know it. You're in a jail cell next to Lori Laughlin. You know, it's it's oh, really. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, Lori, but that's, that's an excellent point. <laughs> I love that she just right. went there. No, not too taboo, you guys. It, it's a per- yeah, right. Yeah. we're not the show. We're not too here. taboo, but it's true. I mean, we really avoid teaching our kids anything at all, and then they have no ability to understand that they can get through temporary struggle. Right. They can get on the other side of that because nobody's, you know, been in the habit of rescuing them from it or or doing the work for them. Puddling is a new Puddling, parenting style. Parenting. Have you heard this? I have not heard this. Yes. Oh, yes. I thought yes. I knew this everything about this. This is styles. a new parenting style that they, that they have out there. And it says, when the storms come, you allow your children to, instead of being a snowplow parent and moving everything and all the obstacles out of the way, uh-huh. that if there's a puddle, let them jump in it and yeah. figure out And figure out, out how to own, get out of it. Yeah. And then they also... It supposedly in extreme puddling is that 
there's a circumstance for the things they do, but you you let them choose the punishment. Oh, that's no. taking it to a whole new We're kind of like helicopter parents. <laughs> We're a mixture of all of them. Yeah, we're kind of a mixture. Yeah, right. I think we, all I think we all are. There's certain you know seasons and circumstances where we're, where you know doubt creeps in and you're not sure what to do or you're experimenting. There's no manual on parenthood. There's, There's only mothers no. and fathers. That's it. Yeah. And I have to tell you, this is partly why I was so excited to talk with you, is because when we knew that we were having the baby, Gretchen signed us up for every freaking class imaginable <laughs> at our at our local you know hospital. hospital yeah, breastfeeding 101. Love I mean, it. everything you can imagine. Yeah. Some of those classes we walked out of in tears. Oh, I totally um, did. I was like so more like so strung out after going to some of those classes. Right? I was like, how am I but gonna I, do this? I felt like we didn't learn a ton in those classes. Yeah. And and Gretchen was immediately like, it's all a lie. I'm doing a book. There's like the truth yeah, about I'm what really happened. I'm literally going to write a book that's called It's All a Lie. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it covered? Is it, it's not covered. The right. aspect of what you do is so thorough. The science behind it and the functionality between helping the parents and the child graduate through this phase is so imperative to me. So I have to commend you for the time you've taken Aww. to like do this research. Thank you. Come up with this system because no one else is providing information as far as I am aware of at a level that is so valuable to new parents who are so tired and exhausted yeah. and really, I, I raised the white flag, <laughs> Jenny, and, and you are the person that has come running to help. And so Aww. we're so excited about that. Thank you. I have a question though, just quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a little taboo, but okay. you said you, you, you decide whether to work with parents or not. I do. Tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the people who you have either denied or just said, this isn't a good fit for me. They have to oh, be yeah. willing to a certain degree, I think, to embrace some of these things. And you can probably tell pretty quickly whether or not that makes sense or not. Yes. And that's why I always offer an initial consultation, you know, a little 15 minute call. I can tell if a parent's really ready or not. A lot of the times, I mean, you guys, I have stories for days that could really, <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes I get calls from dads who are like, I haven't had sex in eight months. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, our marital bed just turned into the family bed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, my wife is, you know, out of her mind because she's so sleep deprived. Her yeah. sleep is fragmented all night long from having the kid kicking her all night long and the all night open bar going on with the breastfeeding until yeah. three years old. I mean, I've heard all it all. All night open bar. Yeah. And it used to. No, so that is such a good point. I'm sure there is some yeah. men out there that are calling and just saying help. Because every, this is like yeah, every year there's an increase in that. Yeah. I just had two calls yesterday from dads who yeah. were like, if you don't help me get that kid out of our bed yeah. and get my wife some sleep, our marriage is not going to last. Yes, and I've heard this many times from people. Yeah. Many so times. and and dads are crying on the phone. They're yeah. they're shaking. You can you can hear them shaking on yeah. the other end, well, and they realize they, men in general their goal is to like fix things yeah. and make it better, and they know how to like come in and protect and like make everything better. So the fact that they probably feel like they they don't know what to do, and on top of it, they're probably just as sleep deprived as the wife is. So yeah. they're already emotional and already struggling yeah. at a level that they're probably not used to being because they always are the big strong guys. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a really interesting point. And your sex seeing, life is affected. Yeah. yeah. And they're seeing their wives in this state that they've probably never seen them before, yes. fearful and sleep deprived, Yes, uh, which can really change the game in anybody's personality. Really can. Uh, it, it just I know creates- my personality went out the door with no sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's the perfect storm and, and, and people get really desperate. And then so, you know, sometimes I worry about those kinds of cases where, you know, the dad is wanting to bring me in and do all this. And mom feels like she's- you know, maybe not quite there. And so it feels forced upon her. It can yeah. create resentment between the two parents. Yeah. And I get stuck in the middle. Yeah. And then I have sense. to I yeah. have to kind of build or the bridge. She sees you as almost like a threat because yes. now you're coming in telling her what she's not doing or doing. You know what I mean? Right. And she's like, but I'm the mom. Like you don't tell me if I'm doing something right or wrong. That's right. That's interesting. And almost every consultation I go into, good, you know, even if it's an ideal situation, elbows are flying. Parents are sitting there blaming each other. Yeah. You know, oh, you do that. You're the one that always does that For I told sure. you it's too hot in that room yeah. and you know you name it and the you know so there's all this we stuff do that on the daily honestly we do <laughs> we do go back and forth I'm like you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong and then he tells me and like we had a big blowout fight the other day about it because he's like he said because I go you always tell me everything I'm doing wrong like there's nothing I'm doing right <laughs> and then he said the same thing back to me he's like do you notice you always do it to me and then like five minutes later he was like trying to feed her and I was like that's not right and then I was like oh shoot I do do that <laughs> right, right. and now we're now now you know what we're doing we start to fight and go, 
But Jenny says, Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the new thing. Jenny that's says, Jenny says and I have but a protocol. Actually, but it's actually, on paper. I got to tell you, that actually is the best is thing. A good thing. It because is. Because then you have a third party that's telling you, This is what you do. And instead of us like fighting over our opinions, yep. now we have this expert that says, This is what's best. And then we go, Okay. And, and that's what I encourage my families to do. I'm like, Don't let me be the heavy. Yeah. You guys are on the same team. My job is to get you guys on the same team yes. because the surest strongest, best source of security for your child is the relationship between its parents. Yeah, so true. And so let me be the heavy. I, I'm good cop, bad cop. I'll put the Jenny June Smackdown on one of you if yeah. I need it. Yeah. And I'll do it in front of the other one if there's some attitude going yeah. on where I feel like you're undermining each other and sabotaging one another like or criticizing one another. That's awesome. And what happens when we're on the same team, Gretchen? What? what, what oh, what more happened? sex? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's wow. right. Have we had more sex than I'm unaware From of? From your it? lips to my ears, sister. <laughs> I'm I, unaware. If we had more sex in the last week, I don't. don't I don't know. You threaten me with a good time. <laughs> are you? Are you trying to give funky with me in the middle of the night, and I'm unaware of it? Absolutely. Yeah, I reach over and I just. I, it was a pillow, actually. That is so funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. I want to just make sure we touch on everything, Jenny. So we discussed the four categories of behavioral sleep training methods. Pillars. No, we haven't talked about those. The fourth. Oh, the, the methods fourth. we haven't talked okay, about. Okay, so Jenny, I have a question for you. Um, uh -huh. Obviously, this will pertain to us for Sky, but for any of the audience that's listening, I think it's really a huge question that we all ask is, what do you do in the middle of the night when a, the baby's up every five minutes, you know, rolling around and crying or like what happened last night where she's just really upset in the middle of the night. What, what do you suggest you do in that situation? So outside of knowing that there's, you know, nothing wrong, you've, you've met all the needs of your child with those four pillars of sleep hygiene, they're, they're prepared, you know that, you know, you can do everything for them except for the sleeping. Mm -hmm. But in the initial process of helping them learn independent sleep skills, connecting those sleep cycles independently throughout the night, it's important to understand that we all wake up multiple times in the middle of the night children do. And it's not about preventing them from waking up. It's about helping them learn to get back to sleep quickly, mm -hmm. just like you and I do when something wakes us up, right. whether it's a loud noise or Slate has gas or whatever, you know, or whatever. snores really loud and right. I have to wake them up and make them turn exactly. over. Exactly. Whatever or it is. and has gas. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so whatever it is, you know, we want our children to know that they can actually connect back to sleep, connect from one sleep cycle to the next independently, even better and faster than we can do it for them. Okay. And that's where we eliminate the massive fragmentation of sleep that creates sleep deprivation. There's four different strategies or categories of strategies called behavioral sleep training methods that we can apply to um, get them on the other side of that temporary struggle that comes with learning these independent sleep skills. Okay. They're all gonna involve some crying and pushback. Anybody who tells you there is a sleep training, behavioral sleep training method where you're gonna take your kid outside their current comfort zones to predictable, familiar routines and change the message up on them that they're not gonna at least initially tell you that they think your new sleep rules suck right. is lying to you. Right. Okay, so- so um, there is going to be crying involved. There is going to be crying. Okay. I, and I just tell parents right out of the gate, there's no such thing as a cried out method. They're all cried out. Okay. I'm going to let you go into this eyes wide open. Yeah. The only difference between all these different approaches out there is how much the parent wants to be involved and a part of that temporary struggle process, that crying it out. That's the only difference. Okay. Um, however, we've got a little clever and I think somehow in some ways deceptive about the marketing techniques about some of these methods. Some of them are called gentle sleep approaches. Others are called no cry sleep approaches. There's no gentle or crying anything about it. It's all it's all whack all the way down the line. There's yeah. going to be, and sometimes some of these more gradual methods, you know, depending on the temperament and the age and the, and, you know, any past field sleep training attempts in the background with your kiddo, sometimes there's more intense intensity of tears and longer periods and days of, of crying uh, with some of these more integrative approaches than some of the more straightforward ones. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of misconceptions about what these look like, what they mean. So I'm just going to give you the, in a nutshell, these four categories that basically all sleep training methods ever invented in the world, mm -hmm. every book every ever written, every sleep trainer shtick out there, they all fall into one of four categories. I appreciate well, you, the the uh, authenticity candor. and candor that you're yeah. saying. If you give us these four, I will tell you whether Gretchen will actually do it or not. Okay, oh, here we go. <laughs> so the thumbs up, the thumbs down. All right. Why Radio is it just style. me? What about you, kid? I will embrace all of these. Uh -huh. I am that tired. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna play a game and see who wins this category. All right. Okay. So the first category is called extinction. 
Extinction. Yes. Yep. You're out of here, buddy. <laughs> Extinguishing you out of the sleep schedule. So this okay. one has no active interruption to the learning process from the parent. It's very simple, straightforward message. Uh, it's done in one to three nights. And <laughs> she'll never do it. She'll never do it. That means, never do that it. means so, not being involved at all and letting them just cry. So this category has zero parental involvement. Okay. And because there's no stimulating interruption to this learning to connect from one, you know, from, oh, crap, I'm awake. I just want to get back to, to sleep, which is the cue in the neurological habit loop forming process to the goal, which is called, you know, which is basically, I just want to get back to sleep fast. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when, when we wake up in the middle of the night, the very first thought we have, all human beings, is, oh, crap, I'm awake. This sucks. I'm sorry. Including Skylar's, including our child. Okay. Okay. So, first thing we think when we're woken up in the middle of the night, it sucks, right? Oh, this sucks. I'm awake. The very next thought is called the reward in the habit loop. And it's, I got to get back to sleep fast, right? It's not, Oh crap! I'm awake. I got to go to the kitchen and make a sandwich. Well, it's that not, might be Slade's right. <laughs> Slade's awakening. Well, and here's one for you, Mama. It's not. Oh crap! I'm Are awake. I got to wake right up now? Slade and have him rub my butt till I go back to sleep. Oh, Although yeah, he my, may be yeah, totally yeah, down for that. You told her that. You are <laughs> no. so this much. Was an honest, this was an honest intake. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was not honest. That, uh, if you were telling the truth, that is before I go to sleep. It's not in the middle of the night. I don't wake you up and ask you to rub my butt. <laughs> Are you saying that hasn't liar, happened? Liar, liar, Are you saying that? That hasn't that happened. It's has not happened. It's always before I go to sleep. You're half asleep. You don't know, but it's happened. Not in the middle <laughs> of the night. Not, not to mention, let's continue to be honest. All right. That's why you're getting extincted right now. Extincted. Okay, exactly. let's be honest. Let's All right. Be honest. So, wait, wait, hold on. But it's, she needs to be honest. Okay. In order to attempt the extinction category, which means you could not be involved whatsoever, uh-huh. what would you have to do to do that? Leave the house. And be gone for three days. Three days. Let's yes. embrace that one. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't be the first time. I, I had worked with some, like, one of the um, notable contestants of this the show, Survivor, and his wife couldn't deal. So he was yeah. like, I, I no, can do I would, this. I, I, totally I wrestled I alligators. I can do this. At no, my home, I'm a notable contestant of Survivor. Right. Yeah. I would totally. I, right. So she bailed totally and went to the spa for, me. like, three days. Oh, and, my yeah. gosh. This is getting better by the minute. Yeah. She said spa. I knew yeah. it was over yeah. the minute she said spa. And then dad handled it better. Bottom line, this so one's one to th- yeah, one to three nights and it's done. Um, okay. And it comes together very quickly because there's nobody getting in the way, especially, you know, the carrot dangling because you can go in and intervene, but you can't do the work for your child anymore. So, you know, sometimes that can get them a little stimulated, a little mad, and they protest a little harder. Mm-hmm. So that's why this one comes together so quickly. And when it's paired perfectly with the four pillars of sleep hygiene, they have the hormones to do what we're asking them to do. It is by far fewer tears, less intensity of tears, less days of tears than any other method out there by a long shot. It's so shocking. So even though they might cry for like 45 minutes or an hour and a half during that time that they're awake, because that was Sky last night. She was crying for an hour and a half. Now, granted, we were involved, but meaning had we left her there, she would have cried probably for an hour and a half. It would actually some it's it's what's shocking to families is it's the exact opposite that happens. Um, she cries less. They cry less. Well, why um, does it seem like freaking for? You know why though? But, because I was interrupting that process. No, I know that. But even the times that we have tried, about fifteen minutes in, I'm like, this is a lifetime. Like right. this is horrible. And that's the thing that I explained to Slade, and that I always, you know, carefully explain to my families when I work with them. Don't pick a method that you don't feel good about because yeah. the most important thing for infant mental. health health with a loved, securely attached child with supportive caregivers is a simple, clear, consistent message from the parent or caregiver doing this. It's when you change the message up on them all the time because seeds of doubt creep in or your mom guilt or you're worried or you're, you know, you're, you know, anxious. That's great advice. This is great advice. Because we're so guilty of this. No, but this is such great advice because I think what a lot of times happens for parents is that if one method isn't working, they're like, okay, this isn't working. Let's try something else. And it's because you are sleep deprived and you're desperate and you're just trying to do anything and everything. And you do, you find yourself like changing methods or changing ways to try and make something And that's what messes with your kid's head and makes sleep issues much worse, actually. messes with my head. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's no fun. Even if we know that these tears are temporary struggle tears, which are falling under the positive stress category, if we're looking at those three different defined categories of stress, it's a good kind of stress, uh, according to Harvard Center for the Developing Child, you know, between positive stress, tolerable stress, and toxic stress. We know that sleep training or having your kid in a car seat, not getting them out no matter what, you know, until you get to a safe place to get them out, even if they're crying, those things are positive stress. Um, but it's still not easy for us no, to hear that. Not easy so parents have to feel good about what they're doing in order to be consistent for their child. So there's, you know, that's why I offer all methods and I let parents choose. Yeah, I love you that. I love that there's four different things yeah, here to so choose Yeah, so the, the second category is called graduated, graduated. extinction. Okay. And that's where we have a little more parental involvement. I call it moderate parental involvement. So you get to be a little more part of this temporary struggle process as you get to the goal of extinction. And the goal, the point of helping your child learn independent sleep skills is to get to extinction where you're no longer in the picture doing that work for them anymore. They realize they can do it better and faster than you can do it for them. And they are. They're sleeping just like us, putting right. themselves back to sleep. So graduate, give like an example of what that would be. So I like to have it go for about seven days of just gradual check-ins. There's a wide variety of different approaches to this. I personally like the one that allows for fair sleep onset to occur. I'm not into the every five-minute check-in thing because sleep onset takes, on average, 10 to 15 minutes to mm -hmm. happen for any human being. Mm -hmm. So if we're going in every five minutes to do a brief check-in, we're interrupting that potential process and just continuing to stimulate them and the crying increases. So that's, that's not one I really uh, would like to advise to my families if they choose this category. I like a progressive weight. So you know, let's say you, you lay your child down at the end of the pre-sleep routine and always awake and aware so that the last thing that your child remembers that they fell asleep to, it's got to be, I did it myself. You're no longer doing that work for them anymore. Okay. So this when, is big. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So that this, when you're guilty of not doing this, yeah, we're, we're sure. putting her to sleep and then laying her down. Right. Yeah. So she's conditioned to think then, you know, however you're doing all the work to relax her or get her all the way to sleep, then when she's segueing from one sleep cycle to the next throughout the night, she believes that she's got to call you in yeah, to recreate those same conditions that, that she fell asleep or got relaxed to and fell asleep in the first place. Yeah. And so this is so good. That's yeah. the routine and the habit loop process. We're only only changing that component. Okay. And so we've got to start somewhere, right? right. So we want to make that's why we want to set her up for success with the hormones to do everything and the perfect routine and the environment and all of that. So we lay them down awake and aware and with this gradual um a graduated extinction process, you leave the room and let's assume she starts crying right away mm -hmm. or at any point in the middle of the night. You right. give the first check-in about 5 minutes. You go in and you do your first check-in and ideally it should just be going up to the crib saying a brief consistent comforting sleep statement one time, lingering for about 5 seconds in the room and then leaving. But you'll notice that when you go in that you know, the t crying dissipates for a moment. They're like, ah, yeah, yeah. mama's here. Yeah. Daddy's here. The door opens, right? And they're like, right. yeah. So you hear like a little lull in that crying. Right. And then you go over to the crib and you prepare to say that sleep statement. Shh, night-night, Skylar. Time to go to sleep. Daddy's here or mama's here. Do you touch them? No, you don't want to do that. No touching. Yeah. Okay. So you soothe them with your voice. That's your... I don't, you're the touch, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's a variety of ways to do this. Some parents are like, well, for the first couple of days, can I put my hand on their chest first? Sure, but we uh, just remember that there's no exit strategy for that if we don't have a plan to. You know, right. reduce that, get that out of that. Yeah, okay. that well, um, defeats, involvement. It, it defeats the pro process because if I put my hand on there, I want to keep it until she falls asleep. Right. Yeah. And now I've conditioned that she's waiting yes. for that touch in order to So fall here's asleep. what happened. When regardless, even if you do put your hand on the chest or you do, you know, you just say that comforting sleep statement and you leave the room, she's gonna go, you know, children will be like, excuse me, that's all you're going to do is say that stupid sleep statement and then yeah. you're not going to do the work for me? <laughs> yeah. You're going to put your hand on my chest, but you're not going to pick me up and, and give me a bottle or right. rock me back to sleep or do whatever it was that got me to sleep in the first place? Right. I don't think so. Get the hell back here. I've got words for you. And, you know, and, and they cry louder. They cry louder they, because their job is to engage you. They, if they can engage you more with that, you know, natural cause and effect, then you'll maybe you'll go back to doing the work for them again. So what do you do then? So what happens is when they cry harder in that moment, in that check-in, Parents make the mistake of saying that sleep statement a second time or lingering longer in the room or reaching down and shush patting or picking their child up, solidifying to their child that, yeah, the crazier you get up in here, the more engagement and payoff you're going to get from me. So because I do all of you these, confuse things. Them. All these things. I do so all what these do you things. Do? Confusion buys tears. And so it just increases the tears. The method mm -hmm. has a 70% failure rate for that reason. And, um, and so we really want to make sure that we are very consistent in it to win it, always looking at going to the root of the issue 
issues rather than slapping band-aids on things in the moment just to f- have everybody feeling good and getting back to sleep quickly because that's how we got in this position in the first place. So when they cream, so, scr- cream I can't you just got to follow through and leave the room. So they cry louder. Ten, do you wait 10 minutes and then go back in? Like what? Yep. You so you got it. No matter what, you say that st- sleep statement one time, you linger five seconds in the room and you leave the room no matter what they do. Okay. And then you wait. The next check-in would be like 10 minutes and then 15 minutes and, and when then you 20 do minutes. check-in, do you just go and do they see you? Do you do the sleep statement again? None of that. You just do exactly the same thing each time you check in. So you go in, you say the same consistent, soothing sleep oh, statement sleep one statement. time. Okay, got it. You linger for five seconds. So you they res- know that you're there. They hear your voice. Got it. Okay. You know, and that really helps parents who might have, you know, some issues that they're projecting from their own past or childhood onto their child. Gotcha. Abandonment issues. And we've all got, you gotcha. know, crap that we bring into our parenting experience. What are you talking about? Yeah. Did oh I? my God. Like, really? You it sound like I'm like totally psychologically messed I'm up. I'm the one that's guilty. I'm just, what I'm, I'm projecting right now. <laughs> yes, is what clearly. I'm doing is trying to take people off the fact that I'm the one that screwed all this up. <laughs> right. Yeah, Gretchen. So you so do this, so you do yeah. that, and then okay. So so just, and then eventually, you know, after you know, you just go. So you're never really letting your kid, you know, with this particular, uh, you know, method. method or my take on this method that I that I recommend. Parents can do whatever they want to do. I'll support them through it. But this is the one that I find has the best, uh, quickest effect, and it's fairest for the child. But eventually, you know, so you just repeat that process over and over again. It could go for hours throughout the middle of the say, night. Is it go for hours? Yeah. sometimes for, in the first few days, it's it's a lot more hours um, than parents really realize. They think yeah. that somehow because they're going to be more actively a part of things that it's going to be less tears, and there's not. It's actually very stimulating for some kids. Some kids do really well with it. That's why temperament plays such a big, important role in deciding which behavioral strategy is the best match for your unique child. A strong-tempered kid, one smoking a cigar, complaining about the temperature of the room right out of the chute in the hospital when you give birth, Mm -hmm. that kid's going to probably do a lot better with a more straightforward approach than a child who's a mild average-tempered kid who, you know, will do well with any method. They're just kind of a little more relaxed and they go with the flow a little bit easier. Nobody knows your child's temperament better than you do. Right. That's why I let you choose. Right. Because temperament, some methods are a better match for some temperaments than others. And trust your instinct on yes. that as parents. Yes. Trust what you know is best for your child. So let's right. talk about the next one, gradual removal. That is, uh, a, I would say, high parental involvement. You're there for all of the crying all of the struggle. You never leave the room when your child's crying. Uh, it takes about, as opposed to one to three nights with extinction or seven nights with graduated extinction. This one can take up to 16 to 24 days Whoa. of struggle um, or cried out, if you will, um, until you get to the so point of extinction. So basically you're not sleeping because if they're crying all night, you're in the room with them, right? Well, some kids will go for a few hours knowing that you're sitting right there next to the crib while, the, you know, while they're learning to put themselves to sleep. They'll go, f- you know, it's not unusual for kids to go, you know, up to two hours, sometimes longer. I've, oh I've seen three yeah. hours wow. uh, because you're right there in the in, next to the crib. And are you talking to them during this? You can say your comforting sleep statement one time, pat the mattress a little bit, and then you're, you're there sitting next to them as they're going through the process of learning to fall asleep on their own. You're with them. You're not leaving the room. You're not leaving them to cry by themselves. You're you're there with your presence. You use that soothing voice at first to soothe them. They can smell you, hear you, you know, see Got you it. right next to them. Got it. It's for, you know, it could be the first, you know, set of three days you do that. Then the chair moves further away from the crib, the second set of three days. Then the third set of three days, the child is on the inside. Of, you're on the inside of the doorway with that chair. Um, waiting to that position before you get down, before you sit down and say that We're statement. so not doing this, by the way. And then you're on the other side of the doorway, <laughs> and then there's like more progressive waiting, you know, it, so it can go up to, you know, it, depending on the parent's preferences. And that means that the last category here, check and consult, gets worse. Uh, yeah, it's really integrative. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and again, it does depend on each unique child and how they kind of perceive what's happening. Some kids just get really pissed off and they're they're like, excuse me, you're right there yeah. and you're not doing this work for me yeah, anymore. And they just want to engage you and they'll t- and they have the incentive to take it a level of bananas crazier than oh, she's ever. Like, she's like, she just turned seven months and she's already like standing up on the crib and like, I, I don't even know. Trying she's so strong and like literally pulling herself up and like, she's like, I know you're right there yeah. and like she will grab her hand and like pull right. it in the crib. And here's the thing. If it works for them to do any of that yeah. and it does engage you, it, it does get you off your game and you do something different, you just 
solidified in their mind. Yeah, the the yeah, more I totally. you know do this, that, or whatever, and get crazy, the the quicker, better results I'm going to get. Right. And they're too little to understand the reason why they feel so miserable is because they're sleep deprived. Yeah, it's the same reason why they, we've got to be the ones to put them in that car seat, right? And confine them in that thing facing the rear, not able to see them or touch them. You know, for however long it takes to get off the 405 right. here in Los Angeles, like we they would never do that on their own. That's why. Babies need parents. Yeah. They need these health and safety boundaries. But we also have to know that we're setting them up for success. And it's also incredibly protective for their overall health and safety. Right. And that's the hard part. That's why we have to start understanding the difference between tiers of temporary struggle while learning a new skill or adapting to a new routine or a new sleep environment or parenting response versus tiers of suffering, which we would always immediately respond to. Right. Yeah. right? Which well, there's just so much information here, you guys. So the the moral of the story is, is that we've just given you a tiny bit, a tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. of what it takes to really, truly understand um, your child, a good sleeping, sleeping hygiene, sleeping hygiene, yeah, sleep hygiene, sleep. I don't know why I can't get my words out today. A good sleep hygiene program or sleep training as some people reference it. Uh, Jenny, we cannot say thank you enough for your time yeah. today. Thank you for being involved in our life, Jenny. There is so much information here, you <laughs> My guys. My pleasure. If you, you want to check out Jenny, tell us where they can find you, love. Uh, JennyJune.com is a great place to go and schedule an initial consultation with me. It's no cost. Great. And Jenny is spelled with an I. So Jenny and then the and then June as in the month. Com. And I have her on speed dial now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which this is another great part of her program. You are available from, what is it, 8 to 7? 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. On call, on demand. Call That's me, great. text me. You know, in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, your confusion, your, your need for encouragement, a question. Yeah. That coaching in real time makes all the difference in the world to parents. It's like yeah. having me right there in your living room guiding you through the process. Every parent and every child is different, and they're going to need yeah. a different level of support. Each family chooses a different, you know, behavioral strategy. Your lifestyle is going to come into this, um, where you're at in this process emotionally. So there's no one-size-fits-all, and that's why I hesitate to put a book out there because yeah, it would it that. would just peg everybody in one, yeah, one box, so and they, they need that coaching. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I want everyone to – the takeaway is – this leads to better sex, Gretchen. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming in. Thank, thank you for being Jenny. part of Not Too Taboo. Aww. I know we'll check in again, so we really appreciate you being thank here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Jenny June, everybody. <laughs> everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of Not Too Taboo. Uh, remember to click that subscribe button, download these episodes, and be sure to tune in next week as we have some incredible guests coming in. And thanks again for joining us on Not, Not Too, Too Taboo. Taboo.